Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast hosted by 4constructionpros.com and covering various aspects of the construction industry, including the equipment, people, companies, and associations making it all happen. My name is Becky Schultz, editor of Equipment Today, and in this episode, Adam Gilbertson, Vice President, RDO Equipment, and I discussed the challenges the construction industry faced in 2021 and is likely to continue to face in 2022, and the role technologies such as grade control, telematics, and more could play to help contractors be more successful in the new year. Let's dig in with Adam now. Adam, I really appreciate you joining me for today's podcast. I'd just like to get started talking about some of the challenges that we saw in 2021 as a construction industry and how you feel that's going to look going forward as we we look at 2022. Can you maybe start by by chatting a little about that? Yeah, I'd I tell you that nearly everyone in the construction industry probably would tell you the two big challenges we've faced and that we're going to we're going to stare headlong into in 2022 are having a qualified talented workforce available to do the work and getting the equipment and supplies and product and commodities we need to complete the projects the supply chains have been pretty challenged globally and finding the people that we need to work i mean those two things really one and two and depending on who you ask they'll flip back and forth between the two just at any given time from your perspective with RDO equipment, I, I, what are you seeing as far as the supply chain goes? Are, are you hearing any positive news on that front? <laughs> you know, we've tried to be really proactive in anticipating the needs. And in some areas, that's been successful. In others, I mean, we've maybe kept up somewhat to demand, but but really just trying to make sure that the processes work, that the you're anticipating far enough out in advance what you may need is really a, a challenge. And the manufacturer and we see it from really all of our manufacturer partners. It's not isolated to one or two. It's it's pretty consistent message across machines, across supplies, across technology. We see it in just about everything we do. Right. You mentioned technology. Are you seeing any opportunities, whether it's equipment-related technology or other forms of technology that are available that that have been or could potentially help to address some of the, the issues that, you know, the supply chain issues um, or personnel <clears throat> issues that contractors are facing? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think there's, uh, you know, technology has allowed or enabled contractors to to have workers that are maybe less, have less expertise to be more productive. Now, it's not going to make them experts, but it is, it's going to take someone who's a novice worker and make them much more productive. And it'll take someone who's got a really good skill set and make them really productive in the work they do. And I think that is an area that we're seeing pretty rapid adoption of, of using technology on motor graders and dozers and excavators are now becoming very active as a, as a machine form uh, using technology to help an operator get to grade faster, help them not overdig, help prevent going into areas that they shouldn't be, and then needing less, needing less of an oversight from a supervisor the operator can kind of see what the project looks like and and do more of the work themselves without someone directing them how to dig. Right. And so my assumption is that you're looking at greater productivity more quickly with the same 
people in same equipment. Right. Yep, absolutely. And I think the other thing that's unique for the industry as we're moving forward is this changes what the work looks like. And for the next generation that has kind of grown up in computers and phones and different things with technology, it's a it's an opportunity to recruit a new, maybe a new type of operator that is more technically talented or, or able to use and leverage those technology assets better because it's more intuitive to the to a younger generation. Absolutely. And I, I want to get back to more of the specifics sure. of the technology, but to that point, I'm sure you've seen how the equipment has really evolved and is an environment that really can offer more of a comfortable feel to these newer workers coming in and allow them to take advantage of technology that wasn't available even five or 10 years ago. Absolutely. I think it makes the actual on-machine work experience better. It allows them to maybe ask less questions and have less disruption to keep working. The other thing I think that's interesting is we're seeing many big global manufacturers adopt technology in their base equipment. You know, as we started with machine control 20 years ago, it was an additional uh, piece of equipment that was added by a third part. Now the big four or five, John Deere, Caterpillar, Case, Komatsu, are all bringing that technology into the base of the machine and integrating it into the tractor. And what that gives you is a, it's a different experience and a different set of capabilities that a machine has available to it than a third party add-on because you're, you're actually integrating into the tractor's computer, you're into the hydraulic sensing opportunities. And then, you know, I think as I kind of look forward and you think about what data analytics has done to the finance sector, you think about even baseball and football, what having all of this information has allowed them to do. We're about to see that in construction where productivity data, real-time understanding of where a project is and being able to make decisions based on information that we didn't have before are, are coming to the forefront. Absolutely. And, and terminologies such as artificial intelligence were never mentioned even a year or two ago. And suddenly that's becoming kind of a buzzword in the industry. Well, right. And, you know, there's been a lot of work going on for the last decade. There have been autonomous haul trucks. There's been remote control operation on a very, very limited basis, especially right. in mining. But we're starting to see much more obstacle detection intelligent. We're seeing cameras being used in ways that we hadn't before and and really moving to more of a remote type work or a semi-autonomous type work. And we'll see that more and more from all the major manufacturers as this technology becomes more, more widespread, more understood and used. Right. And I think that, you know, the thing that I'm hearing, and I'm sure you're hearing this as well, is this will allow a single operator potentially to be able to run multiple machines, you know, simultaneously almost. And that means that you have fewer operators that you have to put into a seat, potentially. Well, it's both that, it's fewer, but it's also the reality of, you know, when you look at a construction project, there's also, there's often machines that are maybe not utilized at a high level. They need to be there, but they have a very specific purpose and a very specific time. And if you're tying up a one-to-one -one ratio of operators to a lower productivity machine, you're, you really, you know, have a lot of lost production time or productivity sure. time. And if you're able to 
rapidly switch from one to another and uh, and not have to traverse a long uh, way to do that. It presents some opportunity. We actually have a remote control skid steer in our store right now out here in Montana and are working on some testing and development. Now, it is not production grade today, but it is you know, it is not theoretical anymore either. It is actually happening. And so pretty exciting to see that moving forward. I agree. I agree completely. Moving back to grape control, I think one of the things that I'm also seeing that's pretty interesting is the shift downward in size classes of machines that are utilizing grape control. How do you feel that's going to impact things going forward? Yeah, it is. We're seeing it. uh, The bandwidth has expanded both smaller and larger, but the volumes on the larger equipment are so much greater. Sure. And and I think, you know, there's a couple of really compelling reasons. One, the, the travel and transport of small equipment is much more economical. It's safer. It's easier to do for a contractor. And it's much more beneficial not to have to move really large equipment. And as you're working in cities and urban areas, having machines that are smaller, more agile, that can be run maybe in some cases behind a large pickup or behind a dump truck, as far as the weight goes, is a really compelling reason to see those small machines take on technology. Plus, they are they're incredibly agile. Uh, and they can move in, in and among areas that larger equipment can't. And so if you're doing projects that have you know, tight corners or variances that make it challenging, a small machine can be really much more productive than a large one. So how does a contractor look at the return on investment, especially when you're looking at a smaller piece of equipment like that? How do you, to, how can you justify that? Now you're talking about a technology investment that might be 70 to 100% of the cost of the machine, right? I think they look at it as productivity gain and what's my investment in dollars versus the production of the work. And I think often with technology, that first purchase ends up being about a project and you can make an ROI calculation and you can see in a two lane mile project, I can pay for this system in you know a project or two. And they're making that very calculated math calculation on what that cost is. What I think most people find when they get into technology is, okay, I bought it for this and I made the investment because I could financially justify it for this effort. But once I now own it, there are all these other things that I can do with the technology that I maybe wouldn't, I wouldn't have bought it for, because it wasn't going to be the thing I pencil, but I can now uh, do a different project. I can work on curbs. I can work on different types of projects or different ways the technology can be integrated into my work that had nothing to do with maybe what I thought I was going to buy it for, but it makes me more productive in other areas. Clearing and grubbing, getting a project ready, you know, all of these things allow for technology to help kind of increase productivity but the big number of savings is all about finish work. And you didn't necessarily calculate those things in the beginning, but once you have it on board and you're starting to use the technology, you find that it is productive in a lot more phases of the project. And I think that's that probably catches a lot of people surprise, by surprise with a lot of the technologies that are built into the today's more modern machines uh, of various types. Yeah, it, it does. And then it's it's off the tractor too. It's really into the, the whole project ecosystem where you're getting a engineer's estimate 
of yardage and materials that are on a project. And you're taking the best guess of what was there. Maybe you had it surveyed in that whole process. Now with the ability to do that on your own, you can know exactly what's there. And today, you know, whereas there are projects that they flew it maybe five years ago. And then the quantities were a certain number when they flew it, but you know, on, a, on the highway projects especially, all of a sudden some additional material got left there. And five years later, they're doing the project, the bid happens and it didn't get picked up in the estimate because the material wasn't there when they did the topo. Sure. You can find those things out and know them more effectively if you've got your own technology with you. Absolutely. And you mentioned flying drones. Yeah. There's another technology that's really become very much a part of the construction environment and very quickly. Yeah. 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 And I think we're still only scratching the surface of what that's going to look like. The ability to have a real-time topo map of what a project looks like anytime you want it is really an important, I think, going forward and understanding with the materials you have, the amount of effort you've expended and making decisions about equipment needs kind of in real time because you know where you're at production-wise on a project create some really valuable things. The other thing that I think has been interesting about the use of, of drones is we're seeing a lot more contractors kind of move into the social media space of helping lo the local population see the project understand what the work's being done and using it to kind of tell the story of, you know, you're sitting at the stop sign waiting to get through the project and you're maybe frustrated about it, but having the understanding of what's going on and when and being able to kind of tell the story of the work, I think helps the kind of that social emphasis of, okay, this is, you know, it's a little painful today, but it's worth it when we get done because this is what it's going to be. Definitely. It's a great um, tool for education of the public, but it's also a great marketing tool. Yes. Or the contractors yeah, as absolutely. well. It kind of presents them as a very, you know, professional organization and a, and a way to kind of tell the story of the work that's being done. Right, right. You know, I'd like to circle back to the whole issue of data that really, you know, obviously telematics has been a, around for a while, but yep. we're still, you know, there's more and more that we're discovering can be captured in terms of information and managing that data is, is still a challenge for a lot of people, for a lot of companies. But do you see that as being something that is going to be increasingly valuable and more critical to being able to manage the workforce challenges, but even more so the equipment challenges going forward? Yeah, I, I mean, we have been for the last decade or so, I think, focused on machine health, machine fuel burn, that type of data back and forth from a machine to the dealership to the manufacturer. And it's been really valuable. I think as we move forward with a GPS technology on board, we're going to start to actually see machine production information and data of yards moved and project complete percentages and task work and and the ability to to fine tune effectiveness and productivity in that i think you know i, I kind of equate it a little bit if you think about football in the nfl and they're focused on very specific tasks for a player right and they use data analytics on you know you've got a 40-yard dash you've got a you know all of these different measurements that they make because they all matter in the in the makeup of the game. I think you've got that opportunity with construction where you can take 
you know, how can you effectively clear a project? How do you balance material? How do you get the most out of a tractor and really drive productivity as you break it into smaller tasks now that the data is available and you can kind of maximize fuel burn with, with yards moved and all of those things become much more controllable. There's a lot of opportunity to improve the process, to be more competitive as a contractor. Now, it's not an exact science and everybody's going to have their own little kind of best practices, but this data is now becoming available to, to make those types of decisions. Sorry. That's okay. Looking at the whole scope of this data and being able to capture more information, I mean, ultimately it boils down to being able to better utilize the resources that you have. I mean, one of the things that keeps coming to my mind when I think of 2022 based on the challenges of 2021 is doing more with the same resources because there's just not going to be the availability, whether it be the equipment, it's, there's a pretty large backlog when in getting new equipment right now. Used equipment is not, ex it, it, the prices are, are high and availability is challenged even there because of the demand. The labor resources are not where they sh we need them to be. And we're looking at additional construction activity going forward. So looking at the technology that's available, it, do you feel it does offer the opportunity to do that, to do more with the same resources in a big way? As you look at justifying uh, the investment, the return on investment's all about, you know, how much work can I do for the same cost or a lower cost? And, and the, the, the ROI is there with the technology. And, and I think probably the most important is you've got a challenge labor force and the reality that the, the operator in the chair today might not be the same one tomorrow is how can you control the mistakes? How can you control over digging or over excavating or, you know, the safety side of it, of protecting from hitting, you know, hitting something that you know is underground. Those are the things that, I mean, one, they can really slow a project up. If you over excavate an additional foot or two, now you're putting it all that material back, but you're also recompacting it. And it, it takes a lot of time and energy to do that work. And that work is all at a loss because it's work you weren't supposed to be doing in the first place. And so technology allows you to minimize those things, which I think helps you do more because you're not going back and fixing something that was avoidable with using a, a solution like this. And then that other piece of getting a novice operator more productive so you can do more work with someone who maybe wasn't as experienced. And hey, we love experienced operators in our business. They're just really hard to find today. Yeah. Uh, so so it's not a situation where you're uh, where you're replacing, if you will. We just don't, I mean, the, the number of people we need that have that skill set is not, they don't exist in the country today. Right. Yeah. We've seen a large exodus of that skill set in this industry, and that is definitely a significant challenge. Adam, we've bounced around a, yeah. with uh, covering a lot of different types of technology and looking ahead to what the opportunities might be for that in 2022. Are there any other technologies that you in particular are kind of keeping an eye on that you think could have an impact on the industry and the processes on the job site going forward? There are a couple of things. One, for me personally interesting, we're working with some LIDAR scanning technology that is mountable to a drone, but also 
mountable on a backpack or on a pole, if you will, for a project that allows you to do a full map really quickly. The other thing that's interesting about the technology is it's got a, it's called SLAM technology, and it's got the ability to fly without a preordained path. So you can go into a mine shaft, you can go underground, you can go into a building, and the the drone itself doesn't need a path to follow. It it maps as it's going and captures all the data, but doesn't need to be directed, which is kind of unique, which I'm pretty excited about. It has a lot of applications underground, a lot of applications in vertical building and those type of things. So it kind of changes the way drone technology is used. The other that I'm probably most excited about today is the kind of full production system efforts in road building. When I say that, I'm talking all the way from the design and planning to using a mill to do variable milling based on a 3D model and then running that all the way through from the paver to the rollers and having that entire process automated using technology and all the different machines. And it it has the potential to make one, you know, we fix a lot of roads by uh, doing what they call a mill and fill. Well, they'll come in and they'll cut four or six inches. And, and the, the, the reality in that cut is you're keeping the error in the road, the wave. You can kind of drive a road, you feel the wave, you know, that needs to be fixed. Sure. Well, if you mill four to six inches consistently, you're really just keeping the weight. This new technology allows you to scan the road, redesign it for smoothness in a 3D model, and then put that model into the mill. The mill then, instead of cutting a, cutting a consistent four to six inches, can cut a variable to bring back smoothness into the road, which is a really good thing in the big picture for longevity because the base of the road is solid. And then it moves into the paver and they map that through the the thermal signature at the back of the paver and then onto the rollers where they're really seeing the the mat be be compacted. And I think we're going to see some pretty major improvements in road building as a result of that entire process. It's still... Very much, we're moving from bleeding edge technology to cutting edge right now. Because sure. us in the industry, we, we don't like to talk about bleeding edge as often. We talk, we like cutting edge, but bleeding edge is where it's painful and hard and doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And this technology is kind of making that transition over the last couple of years into really being something that's viable. And and I'm excited to see where that goes in the next few years, especially is, is- with the infrastructure bill and right. what that's going to mean for fixing our roads across the country. Is that based on building information modeling in any way? Similar in some ways. Um, You're capturing the real-time data on the road. You know, you go, you do a full scan, 3D scan of the road. You capture what is real, not what is designed because a road deteriorates over time and, you know, curbs and shoulders start to fall and you get cracks and you get heaves and all these different things. So it goes and it actually maps what's there right before you do the work. And so you're, I mean, it really ends up being a little bit of a building information model of a road. So yeah, I, I'm excited about it. We work a lot in that space. It's challenging because it's a different way to do work. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of different folks in the process that need to sign off and approve and make sure that it is, you know, it's meeting the needs of the industry and the the landowners, but it could change the way we do, especially resurfacing work on roads. That That's really fascinating to me. And that's yeah. an aspect of, of the road building industry that I haven't really heard a lot about yet. So I appreciate that. And I think one of the big thing too, that 
is going to be required is education from people like you who are following that technology. Yeah. You know, and it is, it's both education and you got to be willing to fail a little bit in some of these. And that's hard, right? You get, you put this work in, you put the time in, the technology is supposed to do what it's supposed to do. And something doesn't work quite right the first time you get out. And so, I mean, it's been, I say the bleeding edge because I mean it, it's been a few years of really challenging, hard work. But as you start to come out the end of, okay, we've figured out the technology, we got the processes figured out and you see what can happen, the, the change in what's done and the way we can improve the quality of the road, the hopefully extend the taxpayer's investment further because a better constructed road lasts longer that it makes a lot of sense for uh, the industry as we move forward. Absolutely. Well, this has been a really, really fascinating conversation, and I really enjoyed spending some time with you, Adam. Is there anything else that you'd like to add at this point, or we kind of covered the whole gamut of things? You know, I just tell you that it's an exciting time to be in the industry. You know, we're really looking for that next generation to come on board and see the opportunities that might be out here. And I, I really think technology is one of those areas that young people could really make their mark quickly and coming into the industry. So maybe the last thing I'd leave you with is it's a great place to work and a great career in the United States. I agree completely. Yeah. Well, Adam, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I've been, as I said, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's it for this edition of Digging Deeper. Thank you to Adam Gilbertson, RDO Equipment, for taking the time to talk with us. Tune in every week for another episode of the Digging Deeper podcast by 4constructionpros.com. You keep listening, we'll keep digging. Until next time.